All right, great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. David Larla, who has a Hall of Fame ballot vote, will be joining us today to break through with the 2023 ballot, who he voted for, who he didn't vote for. I know Jack and I are extremely excited to get this episode going, so we will hit the intro music and let's get into our discussion. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Jack as always. And today we are joined by Hall of Fame voter David Lorela to talk about his Hall of Fame ballot. So Jack, before we introduce our guest, how are you doing today? Excellent. I believe we had just released, um, coming off the recording of a shocking day in baseball with Carlos Correa moving from the San Francisco Giants to the New York Mets when it seemingly appeared like a deal was in place. So lots of baseball news. Now we just have a Will Meyer signing will likely break down later in the week. But, you know, it seemed like baseball is still um, plugging and chugging in terms of moves and uh, the free agent market is starting to dwindle down as we get more into trades. I think you're going to see people with drawing up crazy, um, you know, conspiracy theories and those boards picking out who's going to be moved, who's getting moved for who, um, who's available, who's untouchable. So a lot of news going on. And as we approach Hall of Fame season, I think it's good to take a step back from the moves and get into now we have one of several guests you've had on before to discuss his Hall of Fame ballot and get into reasoning and just kind of pick the brain of a exclaimed Hall of Fame writer. Absolutely. So, David, if you want to introduce yourselves to our listeners, I know you have a Hall of Fame vote and you vote for Earn you work for Fangrass. But if you want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and who are you? Oh, boy, that's who am I? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've been writing for Fangraphs now for over over a decade. I was at Baseball Prospectus. Uh, before that, um, I live in uh, about a 40-minute walk from Fenway Park, uh, which is not a complaint. <laughs> uh, I actually grew up in uh, Upper Michigan, which is, uh, you know, we are talking today on Thursday. They're expecting, I think, about 24 to 28 inches of snow in the next few days. <laughs> And I'm glad I'm not there. So wherever <laughs> any of you may be listening, I hope you're not uh, not driving anywhere in snowstorms the next few days. <laughs> Absolutely. I know there's a the thought of a white Christmas, but I mean, whenever there's 24 inches of snow, that is definitely not fun to clean up after the fact. But obviously another process that has the fun, but also there's definitely some criticism. There's definitely some hard decisions that you have to make is the Hall of Fame ballot and this year's class is no exception obviously last year the big discussion was bonds and clemens in their final years that's now been replaced by the alex rodriguez debate you've guys like jeff kent in their last year so really an interesting ballot and jack you can take us in whichever direction you want to go to first a lot of interesting names but jack on david's ballot who is the first guy you want to talk about and sort of get this conversation going i guess you mentioned a rod i know last year you also voted for bonds and clemens I seems you know, outside of retired, just the overall voice. I think we don't agree universally on much, but one thing that we did all agree on is those guys being voted into the Hall of Fame. Chris worried if you could give your your take on that matter, and just given that it's a, become very scrutinized, it seems like even so, the majority of Hall of Fame voters, like Bonds, nearly got the percentage, just a couple, I believe, about five points short of the necessary threshold to get elected. So it seems like, what's your take on? These guys, their era in baseball and their place in history and why 
someone like Bonds, Clemens, and now A-Rod is deservingly so of being elected to the Hall of Fame? Uh, the way that I've been approaching this in my three years on the ballot is, uh, I guess, the story of baseball in this era can't be told without names like Bonds and, and Manny. Uh, so begrudgingly, you know, they're getting my vote. Um, I think where I am drawing the line with anything uh, is whether somebody is clear cut or or borderline. I am cutting less slack to people who have been reasonably accused of things like, uh, you know, assault or spousal abuse, of which there have been a few. Uh, and fortunately, they have been uh, bubble candidates. So, you know, I am not voting for them, but I find it almost impossible to not vote for uh, Bonds or, uh, you know, even in Ortiz. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I know also with that same subject, a guy that I don't think he ever got suspended for steroids, but he is someone that's definitely been tied to the potential. He was a slugger in that era is Gary Sheffield, who you did vote for this year. I believe you didn't last year, but he's sort of one of those. I know you're a guy that loves voting for. I think the 10 players on the ballot. So he might've been one of those guys that came just short last year. And then you did have room for him this year. Your thoughts on Sheffield as a player, 500 home run hitter, I believe in his career. Well, you are right that he did not have my vote last year. Uh, he was dropped off of uh, my ballot from uh, three years ago because there wasn't room. Guys like A-Rod and Ortiz uh, moved in and you know I felt obligated to vote for. Uh, so I was fortunately able to vote for Sheffield this year. Uh, like you said, 500 plus home runs. Like inc I don't have all of the numbers in front of me. You know, I'm sure his WRC plus is well into the 140s. You know, great player. Uh, lack of defense has hurt players over mm -hmm. the years. And I think because fame is such a big part of the Hall of Fame, Sheffield is a famous slugger. Uh, Jeff Kent is isn't nearly as famous as Sheffield uh, in part because he played with Bonds. He was overshadowed uh, in his last year on the ballot, and he won't get elected. Certainly, uh, I voted for Kent this year. Mm -hmm. uh, just incredible offensive numbers for his position. You know, he has almost a thousand career uh, extra base hits, which I think is like forty first or forty second all time. Um, you know, uh, mediocre at best defense, sure. But, you know, who would you rather have at second base, Bill Mazeroski or or Jeff Kent? Um, I think you have to take the prolific uh, offensive player. And I think Kent also is the most home runs uh, for a second baseman in history. So that's definitely one of those statistics that stands out. I know there's that mantra from some voters, and I don't know if you have that as well, where it's sort of the can you tell the story slash history of baseball without these players? And Kent is one of those guys that definitely defined the position of second base as a slugger. I know, as you mentioned, on that team with Bond, um, another similar player that maybe isn't the top third baseman ever, but at the same time is one of those better defensive, one of those underrated players is Scott Rowland, who I know you voted for this year. I know you voted for him last year as well. Rowland seems like one of those players and Jack, if you agree with me, that if there is someone getting elected from this year's ballot, it might actually be Roland out of all the other players listed. He's getting a ton of support. So your thoughts on Roland campaign, whether it's the numbers, whether it's a clear slam dunk to vote for him. I know you definitely saw a lot of them while covering baseball in your time as a writer. 
Yeah, I think Roland is a no-brainer. I mm -hmm. think the whole sabermetric community thinks Roland is a no-brainer. Uh, you know, much uh, I I don't think Bobby Abreu is a no-brainer by any mm -hmm. means, but he is somebody that I have voted for the last few years, as has Jay Jaffe. He maybe doesn't stand out with some traditional voters, but that is why Hall of Fame balloting is so interesting. I learned on social media yesterday that a writer who had one person on his ballot uh, opted for the least statistically accomplished of the three <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies on the ballot. I mean, I you know who am I to criticize one individual's ballot? But I just thought, from an analytical statistical standpoint, it was a very odd. You know, it was a very odd choice. And then definitely uh, to, to his credit, this writer made it public. Um, mm -hmm. Jay and I are both very strong in, as most people in the BBWAA leadership is that uh, ballots should be made public. If you have a vote, you should be forthcoming. So kudos, kudos to this individual writer for Absolutely. standing up for him believing Jimmy Rollins was the only person on this ballot worthy of voting for. And so you, I'm just looking at like your ballot history with the one you've made public this year, 2021, 2022, it's, they all have the common theme of sharing 10 guys. I'm just curious, like, are you one of the, because I know there are select voters who want to just vote for 10 guys, no matter what. And if that's so, can you explain your reasoning? Or if not, um, like you, do you think that these 10 are like the 10 deserving? And if it was only nine, you'd pick those guys. Or like I said, are you just more so, I want, I think I, this is about telling the history and the story of baseball, and I want to have these as many guys as I can included in that. I don't know that I have a specific definitive answer to that question. Uh, this is the first of my three ballots that I don't feel was stacked, mm -hmm. and there is a solid argument to not uh, going all 10. Um, I do believe, though, that when if you vote for somebody one year, you need a compelling reason to not vote for them the following year. Um, I did that with uh, Sheffield, as I mentioned, uh, because there hadn't been room. I did it with Omar Vizquel, who I voted for my first year. And that was partly stacked ballot, partly the allegations about just misbehavior, you know, like spousal issues. He had a issue, I believe, with a bat boy that was, I think he exact has actually been exonerated. You know, so with that reasoning, I voted, you know, for the same seven I did last year, plus my additions, you know, being Sheffield added back in, Kent, who I wanted to vote for last year, and Beltran, who is, of course, another issue that you probably want to touch on. So will I always vote for 10? Um, I think the answer is probably no, but I think I will probably come pretty close to 10 most most seasons. I like that. And then obviously, yeah, absolutely. I know you did just mention Carlos Beltran. I don't know if you can see the Mets poster behind me, but Beltran is definitely one of those players where I grew up as a Mets fan. He's definitely a polarizing figure because I don't think Mets fans, as much as we love David Wright and obviously Jacob deGrom most recently, where we think of them as forever Mets. Then there's Carlos Beltran, who if you look at the numbers, and I'm sure as a Hall of Fame voter who works for Fangraphs, you definitely have. Beltron's numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. And obviously you did vote for Beltron as one of those best center fielders of the past 20 years or so. And then there is that sort of, I don't know if it's a taint or a tint on it, where it's sort of 
He did have the 2017 Astros scandal. So anything on Carlos Beltran is definitely one of those unique sort of candidacies. What was your overall thinking when you got your ballot this year and Carlos Beltran's name appeared on it? Beltran was not an easy choice for the reasons that you just laid out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess I was actually swayed by a book that I that I read recently. And, uh, you know, you and many of the listeners may be familiar with it. Uh, Mark R. Moore and Daniel Levitt's book, Intentional Balt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the subtitle is Baseball's Thin Line Between something in cheating innovation mm-hmm. maybe in cheating um i've known that there's been a lot of quote-unquote cheating in baseball and a lot of sign stealing uh the depth of it i maybe wasn't aware of until i read this well-researched book mm-hmm. uh signs have been stolen uh and not just with eyeball alone for well over 100 years you know we've had buzzers going back to the 1940s i believe so I think ultimately, well, what the Astros did and what Carlos Beltran did was unequivocally wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they were doing a lot more than other teams haven't been doing to their best of their capabilities for, you know, well before our grandparents were born. Absolutely. And then, uh, so now you mentioned like your work at Fangrass. I'm just curious, you know, we're talking about lots of this, this brand that we have going here is that like contrast in between between new age baseball and kind of that old traditional way of thinking. I'm just curious, like yourself, I'm having been around the game for a long time. How do you think about those new ways? You know, fan, I'm on fan graphs all the time. I think that there's like the difference in fans that are looking at pitchers for their Sierra XFIP, et cetera, versus the ones that it's more so about ERA exclusively and like, you know, traditional counting stats whip. Um, how do you feel those kind of, that kind of contrast is shaping baseball now? What would be your, um, your your kind of uh, two cents for fans who want to remain with like the more traditional and more traditional statistics and really not accepting of the uh, kind of newer age stuff. Well, I think fans should like what they want to like because baseball is entertainment. It's the sport. Um, I think most, I shouldn't say most serious fans. Uh, yeah, maybe I should. Most younger serious fans uh, are in touch at least somewhat with analytics um if you are my age uh you know which is on the wrong side of uh 50 now um i think a lot of you know i grew up traditional and came to uh, analytics a little bit later um i I think they're crucial uh for an understanding of the game in terms of the hall of fame that's tricky i think a lot of the newer quote you know younger writers are paying more attention you know, to, to a lot of the numbers, you know, Bobby Abreu is interesting. He's actually tracking very poorly right now, which surprises me because his advanced stats are very good. He's sort of the Dwight Evans of the era. Mm -hmm. Dwight Evans has hall of fame numbers, but he was never looked at, you know, during his time, which really wasn't even that long ago as a great player. He was overshadowed in Boston, by guys like Jim Rice, because Rice would hit 40 plus home runs. Evans was the OBP guy. So, you know, there are a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, I think the hall is well served to look very carefully at, you know, WRC plus, you know, ERA plus, a lot of these numbers. And they also, 
I mean, this is a jumping off point, too, to say that they need to look, we as voters need to look more closely at guys like Andy Pettit when we're comparing pitchers, because pitcher usage has changed so much. Uh, Andy Pettit uh, has more war, for instance, than Tom Glavin mm-hmm. and, you know, several other well-known Hall of Famers who don't even stretch back that far. Uh, but maybe some of the other numbers you know, traditional numbers aren't sexy. Wins are because he pitched for a long time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we can't compare, you know, we can't compare him to even Randy Johnson, you know, because yeah. times have changed. Absolutely. And then I guess sort of one of those tying up all the things that we've talked about today, I know as a Hall of Fame voter, maybe each player you evaluate differently. Maybe there's an overall general consensus philosophy for how you have end up constructing this 10-person ballot, obviously working at Fangraphs and hearing you speak for the last 20 minutes or so, analytics play a huge role. But I guess one of those other questions that I did have before wrapping up is, is there such a thing as like these intangibles that you can't measure with analytics? I know there's a guy, for example, like Madison Bumgarner, who eventually when he's on the Hall of Fame ballot, once he retires in 10 years or so, his career statistics probably won't scream Hall of Fame. But then there's also that dominant postseason run for those couple of years in San Francisco where he was the best of the best, give me the ball in game seven and you're going to get a win. So how do you sort of balance that aspect of a player who, if you just look at the numbers alone on fan graphs or on baseball reference and you see those numbers and the war and all of the Hall of Fame metrics versus if there's something that can't really be measured by analytics, spending your career with the whole team, being named captain, leading in the postseason, all those other different aspects of a player. I think those things matter. And I have to admit that I have not sat down uh, and thought, will I vote for uh, Madison Bumgarner when mm-hmm. the time comes? Um, but you said is very real. And postseason, I think, does matter. Uh, Andy Pettit, uh, a ton of postseason experience. He wasn't brilliant. He wasn't, you know, Bob Gibson or Christy Mathewson, you know, overall. He had some clunkers as well. Mm-hmm. But it's part of his quote unquote fame. Uh, and Bumgarner does have the, oh, wow, he really did that in the postseason numbers. So I think he probably will, or at least should end up, you know, being a Hall of Famer because those things do matter. Absolutely. And Billy, I should, we should make sure, too, guys, that we uh, touch on Billy Wagner. Uh, yes. Billy Wagner is, uh, Jay Jaffe has called him the best Hall of Famer or the best relief pitcher, not in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Jay and I have both voted for Billy Wagner. His numbers are absolutely uh, jaw-dropping if you look closely. You know, he's a better pitcher than Mariano Rivera uh, if you just look in some numbers. Mm-hmm. I'm articulating this pretty badly. Some of his <laughs> numbers compare favorably to Mariano Rivera's. Absolutely. And then there's also relievers is a pretty under, I guess not appreciated, but sort of there aren't that many relievers in the Hall of Fame. And Wagner, as you're mentioning, at times was literally the most dominant reliever in the sport when he was in his heyday in Houston and Atlanta, where he would just mow down three hitters pretty plain and simple. And he was Hall of Fame sort of represents the best at your position, the best at what you do in. I think you probably echo this, that Wagner for a period of time was the best to do it in the National League. I don't think there was one hitter ever who wanted to face uh, <laughs> Billy Wagner. He, 
when you're the best at what you do, it becomes a question of if you don't consider this person a Hall of Famer, you are basically undervaluing the mm -hmm. role. Yes. And I think it's pretty safe to say that the closer role is uh, very, very important in baseball. Billy Wagner is more deserving than a Mark Burley, mm -hmm. uh, who has... There are people who are going to argue that Burley is more deserving because he was a starter and threw all of these innings, but he was nowhere close to the best pitcher in the past, say, 30 years, whereas mm -hmm. Wagner is one of the one or two best. So then, a, so then a quick question, though, about another reliever that I don't believe you voted for, Francisco Rodriguez. Was it just that he wasn't on that exact level as Wagner? I know he had that one season where I think he led the league if not set the record for saves in a year, but it definitely wasn't as long of a peak or as long of a dominance as Wagner. Well, it, it was a 62 save year, mm -hmm. I believe. No, uh, uh, he fits into what I touched on earlier about having issues with things like assault and spousal abuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he is just borderline enough that I did not vote him for him that reason. He has multiple... Mm -hmm allegations yeah um i believe that he had an altercation with uh the father of either wife or girlfriend i forget which uh mm -hmm. there were other allegations and you know that's tricky guys it's it's yeah. not unlike the peds in that do we really know what everybody has done there's a lot of he said she said as there are in the viscal so I think that to me is the hardest decision in in Hall of Fame is do we really know what, you know, Kurt Schilling is another thing. We know what he has said. Mm -hmm. So you can decide to vote for him or not knowing exactly what he has said many, many times over if you're going to consider that a disqualifier. We don't know what goes on in the family lives of some of these players who have been accused of of certain things. Yeah, and you know, it really just shows it is a human process. It's why it's we have not like a statistical qualifier. It's voters who decide whether or not you're uh, you're worthy. I guess as as we wrap up, um, I'm just curious to see what do you have any predictions or surprises that you think could be in store for us for Hall of Fame season? Anyone unexpected to get on? Will someone expected to? Um, won't? Do you have any? Um, you know, do you have any hot uh, takes or opinions uh, regarding that matter? Hot takes. Do we like hot takes? <laughs> no. Uh, I hope Roland gets in. There are other people, you know, you're looking at Ryan Thibodeau's ballot tracker. There are other people who are doing better than expected. Mm -hmm. um, I will be surprised if more than one person gets in. Um, I hope it is more than Fred McGriff going in uh, because it's good for baseball to have people in the hall of fame you know we're underrepresented in recent generations so no hot takes uh, <laughs> just the hope that as a big hall guy that you know we get surprises and have more people that people can celebrate in cooperstown next summer absolutely and of course we appreciate all of the time all the insight don't worry i think next year there are at least two for sure guys in ichiro and adrian beltre who should be getting into the hall of fame for sure on their first ballot, hopefully. And then a lot of interesting candidates. I believe it's David Wright, Joe Maurer, and Chase Utley will be new to the ballot next year as well. So I'm sure those will be five players at least that will have some internal and fun conversations about 
in the future. Well, Jack, unless there's anything else you want to throw in, we definitely appreciate all the time, all the insights, all the fun stories and getting an inside perspective into what it's like to vote for the Hall of Fame. So thanks so much, David. Yeah, I want to jump in with one mm-hmm. more thing with your mention of, of Ichiro, who yeah. is certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I think that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer in part because of what he did in, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote maybe about a year ago an article at Fangraphs that was based off of a poll I did, which is who had the better uh, MLB career, Ichiro or Bobby Abreu, mm-hmm. which Ichiro won predictably in a landslide. And I uh, showed a lot of the numbers. And I think there's a good argument to be made that Bobby Abreu actually had a better major league career statistically than Ichiro. So that jumps right back into the what is a Hall of Famer argument. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of different ways to look at it. Chase Utley is Mm -hmm. uh, a player who traditional voters are going to look at and say, no, he falls short and they'll be very, very wrong. I like it. These are some hot takes. I know you just said, do you like hot takes or not? Bobby Abreu over Ichiro is definitely one of those that I'm sure most of our listeners at first glance will not agree with, but I definitely need to now go check out that article and see the statistics behind it because I'm definitely interested in that subject now. Okay. Awesome. Sorry for the hot take. I didn't realize <laughs> I come up with one. <laughs> no, we love those. Awesome. Well, Jack, unless there's anything else you want to throw in, thanks so much for joining us. And we appreciate all the time today. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, that was a great episode just now, Jack, talking all things Hall of Fame with David, going through his ballot, some tough decisions. What were your thoughts on that interview? Definitely some lot of context on just the game as a whole in terms of analytics and kind of uh, result-based, which we debate on here, in addition to lots of good Hall of Fame talk, which we've done on numerous occasions, so an excellent watch, and uh, you know, that's it from us. Thank you. Sounds good, and of course, a very Merry Christmas this is our last episode before the holiday season, so no matter what holidays you are celebrating, happy holidays, great stuff coming from Side Retired in 2023 we will definitely have an episode or two in between this christmas to new year's week but in case we don't hear from us until christmas have a merry christmas and happy holidays and until the next time the side is retired